This is the Visible Hand. My name is Jordi Blanes Vidal. My guest today is Daniel Knudson, who is a postdoctoral researcher at the Research Institute of Industrial Economics and at the Center for Health Economics Research at Uppsala University. Today we're going to talk about his paper, The Quality and Efficiency of Public and Private Firms, Evidence from Ambulance Services, which is joined with Bjorn Tirafors and was published in the Quarterly Journal of Economics in 2022. Daniel, Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. So, Daniel, this paper, as the title says, is about comparing public and private firms, especially with respect to ambulance services, public firms or private firms, that is, firms to which the service has been outsourced. It is a paper in healthcare. Could you start by telling us, prior to your paper, what do we know about the benefits and downsides of outsourcing in healthcare? Well, I would say we knew pretty much about outsourcing in general. There are, you know, a big literature on outsourcing and feels like garbage disposal about recently. There's been many papers on prisons and residential youth care, but in healthcare, we knew very little, right? And this is an interesting setting because it's high stakes where lives could be at stake, but there were just one or two papers that discussed and addressed this issue about uh, private provision of of healthcare. So the the issue of outsourcing is one in which the state enters into uh, some type of contract with these private sector firms that are delivering a certain service. You in this setting are going to compare this with public sector firms that are not paid according to any performance scheme. So one thing that we as economists believe, but that we have also learned empirically, among others in the literature in, say, organizational economics, is that if I pay you to do task A, you are more likely to do task A, but probably less likely to do task B. Is this, in very abstract terms, what we are trying to study in this particular setting? Well, yeah, to a great extent. I mean, we rely a lot on the seminal paper by uh, Hart, Schleifer and Vishnu from 1997, where they take a contractual approach to outsourcing. And I mean, intuitively, this is really what what is the essence, right? If we cannot contract on a desired outcome that we're interested in, then you know private firms have very low incentives to to actually deliver at that deliver that kind of quality that we're interested in if it's costly for them. As I said at the beginning, this is setting the studies ambulance services. Could you tell us a, a bit more about the way that these ambulance services uh, operate in a Stockholm country? And why is the, there that there are some private firms together with public firms and so on? Right. So the setting in Stockholm is that that ambulance services were privatized already in 1993. So in, in Sweden, where a lot of, of the welfare sector is privatized today, the ambulance services was one of the first, and this was in 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 Stockholm then. And uh, since then, they have kept a public firm that also have operated side by side. And previously, it competed with the uh, with the private firms. But in 2006, it was decided that the public firms would not compete anymore with the private firms to have some kind of in-house production as well. So it works that every every fifth year there is uh, an auction where 
where um, private firms can bid for different sectors of Stockholm. And the lowest bid general wins, right? Even if they have some kind of quality adjustments to in this competitive tendering. So what do you mean by it was decided that the public firm will not compete anymore with the private firm? Is it that the public firm was also had to enter this auction or that they will be based in stations along, alongside each other such that a patient could be assigned indistinctively a, a public ambulance and a private ambulance and so on? What, what is the nature of competition that you were referring to? Yeah, so before 2006, the, the public firm was also competing in auctions, right? And after After that, they had, you know, Stockholm was divided in, in seven different sectors. So the public firm just got, you know, two of the sectors that they, they held and those were not up for, for auctions. That means that the private firm has to compete at, in terms of like a, offering the service at the lower cost, but at the same time, it also has to meet like a certain level of minimum standards. Does the public firm also have to meet these minimum standards or is it just assumed that it will follow these standards because it is more directly controlled by, in this case, the regional government? Yeah. So, I mean, if we think about the auctions there, you, I mean, there are more formal ways that you have to comply there. Like you have to have, you know, be a, a firm of a certain size and so on. Right. But when you have uh, received a contract, then the content of the contract is, is the same for, for the public firm and the private firm. So they have the same kind of types of fines that they can get if they, they break the contract and, and so on. What are the measures that are specified uh, in the contract that they could receive these fines for? That is, in these contracts, what are the performance measures, if you want, that link the agent, that is the ambulance service firm, to the principal, that is the regional government right so basically there are some more more structural features of these contracts that you have to have a certain quality of the staff right they have to have a certain level of education and if you know you put in staff that are not qualified properly then you can be levied with fines and you also have to keep your vehicles operational uh, sufficiently you know many hours according to the contract now the cars can be broken or you can have staff that are sick so you have to kind of put your car on hold. That cannot be, you know, too many hours, then the firms can receive fines. But then if we look at, you know, performance measures, there are really not very many performance measures. When we read the contracts, the only one we could find was the response time, which is it would be like a proxy measure for for some kind of outcome quality, because it tells you the time on average between the dispatch services kind of sends out the assignment to the ambulance, and then the ambulance staff has to push a button to see that they are ready to take on the assignment. So that's the response time. And that would have been, you know, had to be below a certain number of seconds for uh, a certain priority dispatch on average during a year for a firm. So without wanting to advertise my own work, I have a paper that has response time in the title. Uh, this is the, the case of the response time uh, for the police. But in my paper, the variable response time was the time between the police had court is being alerted of a crime in progress, let's say, and the police arriving to the scene of the crime. This is not what you mean by the response time. The response time in your case is the time between the signal being sent to the ambulance firm and the firm either, and the ambulance either departing from 
the headquarters or the station of the of the ambulance firm or at least being able to say I can take the assignment correct this is more like a, a response time that is like internal to the offices or headquarters or organizational station of the of the ambulance firm yeah yeah that's exactly true and I mean because you know the ambulance calls at least here in Sweden they are a very different urgencies and some could be just more or less uh, transports between two locations and these if, if it's a busy day then these can be put on hold for quite some time right and the other thing that i presume is that there are not going to be fines levied on these firms if they consistently take a long time to arrive to the patients just because the traffic that year happens to be really bad correct so that will be a little bit hard to put in a contract that's true that's true and they have a little bit of a, they have some different geography as well so it would be would be difficult to to kind of validate that measure to put fines on it but it's still it's an important measure and it's followed up, but I don't think it's it could be con- contracted. So we have that in Stockholm County, your paper takes place after that change in 2006 that you mentioned earlier. In Stockholm County, there is going to be a, a public firm that runs these ambulance services, a couple of uh, private firms, and you are telling us that the contractual relation between the regional government and the firm is the same throughout uh, in terms of min- meeting minimum standards for a number of things. I guess the incentives are going to be different because, of course, the, the residual claimant you know, to, to the difference between revenue and cost is going to be different across the two types of firms. Can you tell us a little bit more about how ambulances work? Uh, specifically who goes in the ambulance because a lot of the discussion later on is going to be about trying to explain results about mortality and other things what does the ambulance contain it's a vehicle but who goes inside and what does it have all right yeah so i mean i i do have some uh, personal experience from this i worked in in the ambulance as a specialist nurse myself for about seven years from my own experience especially i would say that you know if we think about the patients they're, they're all kind of patients right we have everything from infants you know we deliver people in the ambulances and we have traffic accidents uh, we have the elderly that are, are are you know consuming a lot of ambulance care being transported to to hospital and and from different hospitals to other types of care. So so there are plenty of of different patients with different complaints and of different urgencies. You know, some people have not that very, very urgent symptoms, but are still, you know, required to be looked at by an ambulance crew because it's, uh, well, the dispatch services, they don't have super much information. They have a telephone call from a patient and sometimes difficult for them to, to kind of be very be very confident that the patient is not in need of ambulance care. When it comes to the ambulance in itself, we have in Sweden a specialist trained nurse with a master's degree in nursing, which is directed to emergency care. And he or she is accompanied by what we could think about as a a paramedic. So this is the ambulance crew and the nurse is kind of in charge of the ambulance for the medical decisions and so on, responsible for what happens. Uh, The ambulance 
ambulances are, are equipped with a more and more advanced equipment, but, you know, ECG monitoring, sending to hospitals with the, uh, quite many medications, I would say, you know, even even some light sedatives, but, but uh, pain relief and... The paramedic drives the ambulance? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not necessarily. I mean, in general, the, historically, ambulance crews, they were, you know, taking turns, driving and not driving, right? But then when they increased competence uh, by introducing nurses and then specialist nurses, it's become more and more that nurse, the nurses take on the, at least the more uh, severely injured patients because they have these delegations for medications and treatments that the paramedic does not. So obviously, you, you mentioned earlier that the public firms are given a couple of districts in Stockholm and that the private firms are, have to compete for the other districts. So there is going to be uh, the fact that if you call from, say, the center, it is more likely that they will pick you up with a public ambulance as opposed to a private ambulance. Could you just uh, tell us how the determination of what ambulance picks up, what patient takes place? Because it's going to be obviously very important to understand the empirical strategy of the paper. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I mean, I think uh, this is a nice feature of the ambulance setting that, first of all, there is no self-selection of patients to providers. You cannot choose which ambulance that are going to pick you up. And the providers cannot themselves ask for or choose certain patients, but everything is, you know, done via the, the dispatch services, right? The, the firm that takes the emergency call and then uh, assigns an ambulance to the patient. And we know quite well how this is done. They you can say perhaps that they solve some kind of intertemporal optimization problem because they have to think about, you know, uh, patients in 15 or 20 20 minutes or one hour, but if you, they have an emergency, they have to have vehicles ready to service them as well, right? So they cannot just look at the patients that they have now. Their goal is to sort of minimize the waiting time for the patients and assign ambulances based on the urgency of each patient and still having this readiness for emergencies in the coming two hours or so. So it's a kind of a complicated problem that they have, but it's not going to be related to provider, right? There is no built-in systematic relation to if it's a private or a public ambulance. So this capacity that the dispatchers are trying to keep in the system, is it Stockholm dependent or is it like district dependent? That is, is it important for them that, I don't know, let's say there is at least one free vehicle for every station or as long as we have 17 free vehicles for the whole of Stockholm, we are fine because we can probably deal with any unexpected increase in demand relatively quickly. Well, I mean, in principle, they would like to have a vehicle probably in each uh, around each station. What they can do is that they can take, a, for example, a, a public ambulance and temporarily have it move up to a private district if, if there are no available units there. So. So they have different ways to try to keep this, this readiness for, for emergencies at all locations. 
So earlier at, at the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that there is very little work on outsourcing specifically uh, in healthcare. And uh, I presume that one of the big challenges for this uh, literature to have emerged must have been this issue of selection that you just mentioned. That is, if I am a private firm, I can try to cream scheme the healthiest patients and leave the worst ones for the public sector, uh, you know, through a variety of direct and indirect uh, strategies that, you know, allow me to maximize profits without necessarily contributing to the, to the overall health of the population. Yeah, I think that's, that's can surely be the case. It could be like, you know, if you can uh, locate strategically, so you have an underlying population that is, uh, you know, more, more, uh, less costly for you, for example, I know there could also be contractual issues that private providers might not, you know, receive the, the most difficult patients. Uh, they may receive only only less complicated patients. Like this is the case in Sweden, for example, with hip replacement therapy where, uh, or hip replacement surgery, where we have the private firms are, are re-establishment and, and take on the patients that are not as complicated, while the complicated goes to the major hospitals in, in, in Stockholm, which are public. So I think that is true. There are many opportunities to, to optimize and patient choice is also a, a complicating factor. So what are the outcome variables that you want to have in your study and for which you will be measuring the relative efficiency of private versus public ambulance firms? So we use mortality as the kind of main outcome. And I think mortality in this setting is a, a fairly good measure of overall quality. Now we have in the ambulance services, we have, you know, as I mentioned already, all these different types of patients, right, with all different types of complaints. But still in our population of patients, these patients have about a 30% three-year mortality. Mortality is rather common in this population. They are old and, and to a large extent uh, sick as well. So we have a lot of variation in mortality and I think it's, it works pretty, pretty well in this setting. What is the data set that you have? Could you describe how many observations for what years and so on? Yeah, so we have data from the Stockholm Healthcare Region. They uh, maintain a database for, you know, following up the care that they purchase or produce, but also for research purposes. So we could access this data. And we have about 1.1 million observations from 2009 to 2016, which I think is also one of the benefits of working with ambulance data is that you have all of these so many contacts between the healthcare providers and individual patients. Oh, what years? 2009 to 2016. Okay, so uh, like if I understand it well, obviously there is a potential endogeneity in when you try to run a regression of, let's say, mortality on what ambulance, what type of ambulance picked you up. And this is because the public uh, ambulances are covering certain districts where the population is perhaps different from the population in other districts that the private sector um, covers. What uh, empirical strategy do you have in order 
compared to isolate the effect of private versus public on, let's say, mortality? Yeah, so that is completely right, right? So essentially, from the dispatch services perspective, there is no systematic allocation of certain provider ambulances to certain patients, right? But we have this geographical problem that we, we, we try to solve. And as you said, it's because these ambulances are in different districts and they're owned by different firms. And these patients could be very different from each other, right? So we use a fixed effect strategy. So we have complemented the data from uh, the Stockholm Healthcare Region database with the data from the dispatch services directly, which contain then GPS coordinates for each patient, right? So we know the location from which the patient called. And we use this data to create geographical fixed effects. And we can thereby compare patients that call from approximately the same location. So in our baseline specification, these fixed effects or these grid cells are about 190 times 140 meters in size. So that is where we compare them uh, patients within. And um, identification within these grid cells comes from randomness in ambulance availability at the time of each dispatch. So even if you kind of live in a, a, a private district near a, a private ambulance station, you still have some chance of getting a public ambulance. So for example, if the private ambulances are occupied with other patients, they may be far away or they may not be the most suitable ambulance to to uh, assign to the patient. So you have like a a data, as you said, 1 million uh, assignments, so a data set of calls. Mm. Uh, the left-hand side variable is, did the patient die? Mm. Uh, the right-hand side variable is the type of ambulance that picked up the patient. I guess, obviously, you, you're going to have some type of some uh, time effects, like the year or the month or, or, or the hour of the day or something. And then, so with these uh, fixed effects, one for every like small geographical location, you are comparing essentially neighbors, correct? Like, like I called on a day on which the closest station had all the ambulances free. Therefore, the ambulance that picked me up was from the closest station, whereas my neighbor called the following day. And in the closest station, the ambulances were all busy. Therefore, the dispatcher served somebody from a station that was a little bit further away. And that was public instead of private. That's the idea. Yeah, that's the idea. Exactly. So because when you said the closest station may not be the most suitable, you don't really mean there in terms of the characteristics of the ambulance ambulance matching with the needs of the patient, but more in terms of like maintaining capacity, yeah, uh, yeah, right? Exactly, exactly. So if there's just, you know, one ambulance in, in a private station and the patient is not too far from a public station where there are many free ambulances, then maybe the best choice is to take a public ambulance. So you mentioned mortality, which is obviously important, but before running regressions on mortality, you run regressions on other outcome variables that are obviously much less important, but that are easier to monitor and contract, and that, as you mentioned, are even explicitly acknowledging the contrast that they have. What do you find in these regressions? Yeah, so we look at both the response time that is actually contracted and time to patient, which is not contracted, but important and, and followed up on, on regular meetings with the region. And we find that private firms are actually faster in responding to the dispatch call, and they are also about 10% faster in, in reaching the patient. 
why do you think that this is the case? Because they have the same contract as public sector firms. Mm. In terms of like the maintaining the vehicles, hiring drivers that are somewhat proficient and all this, one would expect that they spend just enough to meet expectations, but not necessarily more than mm. what the public sector will meet. I don't I don't think it's it's super or necessary at least that the, the private firms are are better at this, but it points to their kind of strong incentives to comply with the contracts. I I can myself remember from this time when I was working in the ambulances that, you know, in staff meetings, this was, you know, pushed all the time, right? And and people were trying to to find ways to 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 be better at pushing these buttons because, you know, that was what they what they had to focus on. What about with respect to mortality? <laughs> what type of mortality do you do you um, study specifically at, at what horizon and what do you find there? Right. So with mortality, we we look at kind of cumulative mortality from the first day after being serviced by an ambulance and up to three years after. And we find that private firm ambulances have higher mortality already from day one after service. And this effect is increasing over time up to uh, three years afterwards. Let me let me uh, tell you the number the numbers that you obviously will be familiar with, but that I, I I copied from the paper. So the the one day mortality for that measure diminished 1.5 percentage points, which means that 1.5 percent of the patients die. The effect is 0.1 percentage points of having a private versus public ambulance. So that is seven percent of the mean. Mm. When you say that the effect is increasing over time, what you mean is that the effect in absolute terms is increasing over time, right? That is the the value of the coefficient that is associated with the private dummy in the regression that we described earlier is higher and higher Mm. as you look at higher and higher horizons. In terms of the percentage relative to the mean, Mm. that effect is not increasing, Mm. right? Like the the biggest effect is in the shorter horizons. Mm. Yeah. And I mean, I guess, uh, you know, the, as you as you mentioned, the mortality just uh, just in in uh, close proximity to the ambulance transport is not very high. So, but this this mortality, as I said, increases up to thirty percent after three years, right? So this is, I guess, what we this is kind of a pattern we would expect, right? I mean, if we take these two uh, results, the fact that the uh, private firms are faster at arriving to the patient, mm. and they uh, also at the same time, uh, private firms are associated with uh, more mortality. So in principle, that may seem a little bit counterintuitive. So we have actually in this uh, in this series, in episode 33, we had Elena Lucchese here, who had a paper that was uh, somewhat similar in that he was studying ambulances as well. In her case, the effect of ambulance response time on the survival following heart attacks, and she was showing that arriving just a little bit faster, a minute, had a big effect in the likelihood of, of surviving. Here, you find that private ambulances arrive faster and yet more people die. <laughs> so yeah. that seems, and not only that, but the effects are at, at shorter horizon, let's say one day, but mm. they keep increasing up to one year, up to three years, mm. uh, even if it is in absolute terms ra- rather than relative to the mean of mortality. 
What are the type of mechanisms that you have in mind that could be leading to this bigger effect in mortality of private firms? Yeah, so I can I can first just mention that we're looking at all types of ambulance assignments, right? Not just if we were looking at only heart attacks, maybe we would have seen a different type of uh, pattern with, with ter- in terms of response times and time to patient. But um, we do we go a, a, a bit further and we we look at data on the interaction between the ambulance staff and the patients, right? And uh, here we find that uh, private ambulance staff are, are diagnosing their patients in much more general terms, right? They're not giving them very specific diagnosis, but diagnosis of the type, you know, other or, or unspecified, right? And this to us has some indication of, you know, either that they're not qualified to make these kind of diagnosis or they're not very interested. We also find that they make, uh, they, they make few were diagnosis for cardiovascular diseases and you know if we believe this quasi randomization the patients should be should be very very similar to each other and there should not be any differences in diagnosing and um, we also find that private ambulance staff are are assessing their patients as as less severely injured than, than the public ambulances, which is a bit surprising given that um, that we find this higher mortality also in the short run. But we think that the main reason why we can see these kind of effects on mortality already from day one is that private firms leave about 30% more patients at home compared to public ambulances, which is about 3.2 percentage points uh, difference. So this is all with uh, repeating the same type of strategy that we were describing earlier. That is, you still have like a data set of calls, you still have the grid cell fixed effects, you know, that allow you to compare neighbors or even the same person. And you are just putting different things on the left-hand side, correct? Yeah. Uh, so one of the things that you put is, what is the type of diagnosis that the ambulance crew classified upon arrival? It turns out that the, the uh, diagnosis is uh, less specific, uh, uh, they are less likely to diagnose uh, cardiovascular problems. They are more likely to leave the patients at, at home. Now, this kind of, a, in terms of thinking about why that may be the case, this brings a question about, related to what you were mentioning, is it is it selection or treatment, right? Is it the case that the ambulance crews of private firms are less qualified? They don't have the skill to do this diagnosis. And as a result, they are not able to differentiate a heart problem from a kidney problem or, or whatever? Or is it that they don't have the incentives to put the effort, you know, to do the diagnosis? Because if, if it was only skills, like if I, if they asked me to right now play the role of a specialist nurse and mm. jump on an ambulance and they put me in front of a patient, I will definitely classify the patient as other because I will have no idea what the patient has. On the other hand, I will really make sure that the patient ends up in the hospital <laughs> because yeah. it is precisely my ignorance that leads me to wanting to decrease the risk to the patient and to my future career potentially. So here you have the combination of po- something that points at less knowledge, but also something that points at less interest. Hmm. And 
I am wondering which one you think it is and and how this relates to the incentives that these uh, ambulance crews have because they are not paid per assignment. They, you know, they, the firms are paid like a fixed rate for the duration of the contract, which means that they don't have like an interest of going as fast as possible to get the next patient. No. Right? No. So wh- why would you expect that, you know, the, this combination of effects is taking place? Right. So we have uh, uh, less clear diagnosis and fewer people to the hospital. I mean, I think that, you know, not taking a patient to to the hospital, it could have some some perhaps some benefits for for the staff. It's a bit it's not as as complicated. It doesn't take as much time compared going to to the hospital. You have to transport the patient in traffic and write a journal and, and let the patient off to another nurse there if you can just leave the patient at home you would have to write a, a brief medical medical record but not not much more so i think that could also be consistent with not being super interested right but it could potentially also be you know related to not being as proficient and being but as you say you might not, you know if you're not if you're not very confident then you might take all the patients to the hospital right so it 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 could be a comb- more about overconfidence maybe or i mean we push a bit in the paper that it's about you know skills or or cognition we have some some results on this is really what we can can measure i think it can be consistent also with you know not being very careful or interested but these things are very difficult to measure I mean, as, as economists, we are typically, we, we write papers in which there is one first thing that hopefully is identified and then it may be identified, but, but it's not perhaps super enlightening in that it doesn't narrow down very specifically the mechanic, the economic mechanism through which things are taking place. And mm-hmm. then, and then the second part of the paper, we typically write down, well, we think is this or we think is that. And here there are some heterogeneity results or, you know, you have here one type of like analysis that I find that is a, that is very interesting in terms of like teasing out the potential mechanisms through which the, the private uh, ambulances could be leading to mortality through the mechanism of non-conveyance, which is leaving the patient at home. So you take the same specification that I was describing earlier, data set of calls, um, private dummy on the, on the right-hand side, controls for the geography, etc., etc. But now you split the dependent variable into two parts, which is having been conveyed to the hospital and died or having not been conveyed and died. So these are two separate dummies that together add up to the dummy of mortality that you are using in your produce. And then you, you split the, the data set into two parts, one for the patients that were uh, sent to the hospital and one for the patients that were not sent to the hos- hospital. And you find that the effect of private ambulances on mortality is only for the patients that were not sent to the hospital. Private firms have no effect on mortality to the patients that were sent to the hospital. I was wondering if you could tell us why this type of analysis helps us to elucidate, to, you know, differentiate the different or to evaluate the relative importance of the non-conveyance mechanism 
or mortality? <clears throat> well, I think th this kind of type of analysis, to me, it's a building block. It indicates something, but it's not, you know, conclusive, right? So this is like, I, I think this would be like some kind of constrained analysis that we, we do here on uh, that has this kind of symmetry that you that you describe. But I guess we I think for us, at least it talks to to our favor that it's this this suggested mechanism, right, that we see results are are uh, non symmetric in in that way that we uh, would expect them to be. But I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm not always, you know, uh, a, a big fan of, you know, a thousand different regression specifications and you don't really know what to what to expect but i think this analysis is one one piece of the puzzle more more or less not not conclusive in any sense but so one thing that is associated with the triage that is done at the at the dispatch level well, i mean what the initial part is as you said that if a, if the if severity or urgency is evaluated as priority one then we're not going to wait to send you an ambulance you will send you know an ambulance as quickly as possible whereas if it is like three or maybe even more there is the potential to wait a little bit to keep some capacity on hold one uh, thing that you do in the heterogeneity uh, analysis is that you look uh, for what type of like a predetermined characteristics of the call the effects of private on mortality seem to be the highest and you find that the bigger I mean the bigger effect seems to be for priority one as opposed to the other priorities. That is, it's for patients that are deemed as really urgent. These ones are the most likely to die. I mean, on the one hand, it makes sense because they are potentially the ones that are on the margin, right? Like if, if I'm super healthy, then it, it may not matter so much. <laughs> but the, I mean, there is a, an element in which this is a little bit puzzling because if the mechanism or at least an important mechanism of the effect of private on mortality is non-conveyance, wouldn't you expect that the priority one patients are sent to the hospital every single time because they were evaluated as serious enough by the dispatchers that the ambulance had to be sent immediately. Hmm. Yeah, I think this might be a bit surprising, but it's not that big difference in, in conveyance between these different priorities. So many of the, the, the patients also with the lower priorities, they are, you know, hospital patients, right? They are old people that have, you know, infections. It's not urgent, you know, they're not... You they're not dying right now, but they cannot stay where they are. They have to go. So we don't have these. I think there are a, a slightly fewer patients that are uh, non-conveyed that stay at home with priority one, but they're not that big differences. And what I think could be happening is that, you know, patients are, are calling in and conveying unclear symptoms that could be something very, very serious. And an ambulance is dispatched at a high priority, at priority one. But when the crew comes, you know, everything has calmed down a bit and and uh, what they observe is is not that it's not a very seriously ill patient and that could affect their conveyance decision as well and this is like the more like causal or or well identified part of the paper in terms of like a keep on looking for this mechanism you have a second part which is like slightly more descriptive in which you look at like the the type of individuals that are hired by these different types of firms and we 
whether this helps you in some way of to detect what might be the different decisions that private firms take that are leading to this high mortality. What do you do and what do you find there? Right. So we uh, we argue in the paper that the reason for private firms and leaving more patients at home is that they have these lower quality staff that they attract and retain due to a, a worse kind of working environment, worse working conditions as a way to save money, right? So we document then, you know, descriptively that they, private firms, they provide lower hourly wages, longer working hours for a full-time contract. They, they demand more overtime and have more temporary employment, right? And then, as you mentioned, we use administrative matched employer-employee data. And there we also find that private firms have a higher turnover of staff and they have more staff that leave the ambulance sector altogether. And uh, we also find, you know, uh, observe indications that they attract less qualified staff because we find that the private firm staff have then lower cognitive ability as measured by school grades and, and cognitive tests. Okay, so it seems that private ambulances lead to high mortality. On the other hand, presumably the whole point of outsourcing uh, was that they are cheaper to run. So that's good. Maybe with these savings, the public sector can invest on something else that helps people. Mm. Uh, is this a situation in which it's difficult to know whether in this setting, private firms or public firms are better? Or can you do some type of cost-benefit analysis to evaluate the benefits and costs? Yeah, so we do a cost-benefit analysis, and I mean, as as is often the case, it's pretty crude. But we we try to calculate a quality-adjusted life years, and then we uh, use different parameters uh, that are you know more or less conservatives to get some kind of overall bound of of uh, of the cost of the lives lost due to private ambulances in this setting, and. We find that even with the you know very the most kind of conservative parameters that we that we use, its cost of private ambulances far outweighs the the, the benefit, the money saved by by the public sector on uh, due to outsourcing. Wonderful, Daniel. Thank you for coming to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Please visit our website, thevisiblehand.uk, for links to the other papers that we discussed. Introductory music and logo by Aitana Blanciso. Episode produced by Anderson Tan.